Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Hey, Wisco fam. I think I'll start right there. Wisco fam, how you living? Hopefully better than your basketball team because right now your Bucks are a hot mess. Thankfully, we just hit the NBA All-Star Weekend, and I say thankfully because those dudes in Milwaukee need the break badly. Because those dudes in Milwaukee need to get their bleep together badly. There's limping into the All-Star break, and then there is falling backwards down a flight of stairs into the All-Star break, which is basically what the Bucks just did. Hey, remember when Milwaukee bleep canned Adrian Griffin, 43 games into his coaching career, and they did so because they weren't winning enough. They ran that dude right into a wood chipper after 43 games because he was only 30 and 13. 30 and 13 was not good enough. And listen, at that time, I thought that was pretty extreme, but I did respect it. I respected it because what they were saying was, Regardless of the record, we made a mistake. Regardless of the record, we are in win-now mode. We have to win this thing right now. We have two of the best players on the planet in their prime at the same time. We cannot waste the opportunity. The window is never going to be more wide open than it is right now. We have to make this count. Right freaking now. So it was extreme, but I understood and respected their sense of urgency. And by the way, Wisco fan, I bet you did too. I bet you appreciated the urgency because it does send one hell of a message. Message being 30 and 13 is not good enough. Here's the problem with that message. 30 and 13 wasn't good enough, so we went out and found somebody we thought was better. Except that guy is now three and seven. That guy, of course, Doc Rivers. Three and seven. They were 30 and 13 with their last coach in his first 43 games ever as a head coach, but that was not good enough. So they go out and they get Doc. Doc is now three and seven after 10 games. That's supposed to be your win right now move. Here is the other thing. Is there anybody anywhere even remotely surprised by this? Not me. I said right from the jump that I respected the ambition and the urgency of saying 30 and 13 was not enough. I understood why the urgency was dialed up that high. But what I never understood, and I said so the day they hired this guy, I never understood how Doc Rivers was going to make it better. Granted, Generally, he usually waits until the playoffs before the team starts to melt down. Normally, he waits until his team has a three wins or gets to three wins in a playoff series before everything goes to hell. This time, though, he's blowing a huge lead right up front. This time, he's blowing it in the regular season. The gig that Milwaukee handed to Doc was, in effect, a 3-1 series lead. He's already gagged it right back. And it's not like they're gelling. It's not like they're close either. It's not like they're just barely losing against great teams and it's going to click. 
It's not like that team looks like it's on the verge of clicking or that the vibes are good. It's just that the results aren't there, but they will be. None of that's true. None of that is the case. I'll give you a case in point. Last night, the Bucks lose to the Grizzlies, which is never a good thing. And especially right now, because Memphis is actually one of the worst teams in the NBA. But they didn't even lose to the best of the worst. They didn't even lose to Memphis's best, even though they're one of the worst. They pretty much lost to Memphis's worst of the worst. They pretty much lost to the Grizz backups. Memphis had no John Morant, no Desmond Bain, no Jaron Jackson Jr., no Marcus Smart, no Brandon Clark. Oh, and they were also on the second night of a back-to-back. Meanwhile, Milwaukee had not played since Tuesday when they got waxed at home by the Heat. Basically, the only thing that can make this situation any more of a flaming dumpster fire would be for Doc to hit the podium after it happened, and it was a debacle, for him to hit the podium after that debacle and then run his team under the bus. Like, run their ass down. Am I right, Bob, in L.A.? Run their ass down. So, I bet you can guess what happened next. Of course, Doc hit the podium and ran their ass down. Ran the team right under the bus. Now, I'll give Doc credit for this. At least he did it in a hilarious way. At least he made running his new team under the bus entertaining. Seriously, this is an all-timer. Put this right up there with one, two, three, Cancun. Because I think this quote is going to stick a while. We come back in this, uh, on our set. Uh, two guys forget what we're running. Uh, then we miss the shot and then nobody gets back. That's how we start out the third quarter. That tells you all you need to know about where our heads were. Um, you know, um, we, we had some guys here, and we had some guys in Cabo. We had some guys here. We had some guys in Cabo. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's a good line. No, really, that's good. His team isn't, but that is. We had some guys here, and we had some guys in Cabo. That's good. You're not. Your team's not, but that is. Look, to be clear, I don't blame anybody for daydreaming or night dreaming about Cabo. I love Cabo. We used to own a house in Cabo. That's how much I love Cabo. My only question is, if some of those guys were here and some of those guys were in Cabo, where in Cabo? Were they at Las Ventanas? Were they at the El Dorado Club? Were they at Cabo Wabo? Were they on the beach at the office? All the above? I got to know. One more thing I need to know. Hey, Doc, are you sure that you weren't with them? Because it's not like you're doing the best job either, my dude. Based on the way your team looks, it's energy, it's execution, the way they're playing, the scoreboard. My man, it seems like you're mentally posted up at the Pamia. Usually Doc doesn't start dreaming about hitting up the, I don't know, the giggling Marlin in Cabo. 
until he's up three games to two in a playoff series or game seven. But clearly, this dude's mind is also wandering, probably because he has no answers to their problems and he's pushing all the wrong buttons. What a hell of a coaching job. Again, the funniest thing about this whole thing is that Milwaukee is getting exactly what they hired, which is why from the beginning, I didn't understand that hire. It's not that I didn't understand the firing of Adrian Griffin. Harsh as that was, I didn't push back on that. It's just that I did not understand the hiring of Doc, and I still don't. But credit to Gigi Jackson of the Grizz for getting right to the point in his post-game interview about how Memphis, with all those guys down, lacking all that manpower, totally depleted. Totally depleted. Totally trash. Totally depleted. They were totally trash. The JV was out there. The JV on one of the worst teams in the NBA, and yet they were still able to pull the upset. GG, dude, how did you do that? What happened at the end, how you all were able to hold on? Uh, you know, great credit to uh, Doc Rivers and the uh, Milwaukee Bus. <laughs> credit. Of course, he didn't mean it that way. He didn't mean it that way. Of course, he was just trying to be classy and give credit to the opposition after humiliating their asses with their JV. He wasn't trying to go all Phil Jackson on Doc, although he absolutely could have and should have gone all Phil Jackson on Doc because nobody has ever had Doc pegged the way Phil had Doc pegged back in the day. Let's listen to Phil Jackson on the last huddle. This team has lost more games in the fourth quarter than anybody in the NBA. They know how to lose in the fourth quarter. All right? They're just showing us that right now. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody, the entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? I mean, there's some things about Phil Jackson, his arrogance, his smugness. It's really off-putting, but that's incredible. The broadcast crew, not knowing what he's going to say, says, let's go to the huddle. Let's go to Phil Jackson. Jackson doesn't know they're going to him. Just right on cue, this team has lost more games in the fourth quarter than anybody. They know how to lose. Listen, Wisco fam. Because we're fam, or in the very least half fam, but I consider us already full fam. I'm a real estate owner in Wisconsin. We sent our son to the University of, 
I feel that we're full fam. You may not embrace me as full fam, but I embrace you as full fam. So none of this brings me any pleasure. You know this is a big Bucks house, Wisco fam. You know I love Giannis. You know I loved Coach Bud when he was there. I love Giannis even if I hate his take about failure in sports. But you know I love Giannis. I love Dame. And that comes with no qualifier. I just love the dude. I want this to work. I want this championship window to stay wide us open. And that's exactly why I was confused that you capped your 30-13 and 13 coach to hire the guy who has lost 10 game sevens, who has blown seven 3-2 series leads, who has blown three 3-1 series leads, who has lost an NBA record 32 series closeout games. Not to mention the time he got toe-tagged and body-bagged by the best caller ever to this program when he made his very first call to the program. I only want to talk about the abundance of oil on Doc Rivers' nose and forehead. Hey, Doc, you're not supposed to sweat more than your players when all you do for 48 minutes is sit on the sidelines yelling out, That's a foul! Romy, be honest. Have you ever seen a face that oily before? I mean, it's no wonder oil's trading at $133 a barrel. Doc's been hoarding it all on his face for the past two months. George Bush wants to send troops to occupy Doc Rivers' nose. Hey, when this thing's all over, Romy, and the Lakers win the championship in seven, lose tonight by 20, maybe we could get a team of scientists to quarantine Mr. Rivers and determine how I can power my car from what comes off Doc's face every game. War Lakers in seven. War Phil Jackson playing all of the uncircumcised Euros in his lineup at the same time. Probably should have known when he made that call that he would go on to legendary status. Clowns. A truly great debut call in this program back in the day. The BIC. Brad in Corona. The bat goat. Look, I don't personally know Adrian Griffin. Good player back in the day. Highly respected, except by Milwaukee ownership. But I'm going to assume that he's not a told-you-so kind of guy. But if I'm Adrian, I would throw every humble bone in my body out the window. How is this guy not posting laughing emojis after every (laughs) single loss? How is this guy not outside Pfizer Forum doing wheelies around the players' parking lot? How has he not done a tandem Instagram post with noted Doc Rivers hater Josh Smith? <laughs> yeah, Doc Rivers, you talked all that shit about Paul George and how Tyron Lewis going to have the same office for that Shut your bum ass up, man. Yo, no in-game adjustments having ass, man. Start giving they real credit, man. That's why your ass got that karma on your ass and you can't get past the second round, man. You know, I did all these real wrong, man. Look in the mirror and confess your motherfucking truth. Or you still, or you'll never make it out the second round. Yeah. Wow. Dude, I forgot. I forgot how strong that fire was. Adrian, with all due respect, 
props for staying in your shoes and being a better man than all of us would be if we were in your situation. We had some guys here, and we had some guys in Cabo. Great line, except, like Josh said, look in the mirror. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. We are joined by Nick Allegretti. Nick, it is great to have you on the show. How are you doing today, Nick? Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Really good to have you on, Nick. So when I found out, Nick, that you were coming on, obviously I was hyped to talk about the game and your incredible role in that win. I still am. We will. But football is still clearly secondary to the tragedy that occurred Wednesday in Kansas City at the parade. I'm curious, how are you doing right now, and how is the entire Chiefs organization attempting to process that senseless act of violence? I think you hit it on the head right there. A lot of us are trying to process it still. It was uh, one of those days that it's supposed to be, you know, a magical day full of celebration and happiness. You know, it was for 95% of it, and then at the end, that the violence that occurred, it was uh, it's tough to comprehend um, that at a day like that something would happen. Um, but, you know, thoughts and prayers with all the, all the people that were involved with that um, the families of the victims, uh, and personally for me, me and the kids, kids that were involved, and even the kids that weren't that were just there, uh, it's uh, going to be a hard thing for them to process for probably a long time. And, uh, I just, you know, as an organization, I hope we're able to do as much as we can for the community and, and for the kids that are going to have some probably some mental health uh, issues as, as they continue to mature you know, due to that event. I appreciate your thoughts on that, Nick. Thank you for that. There's really no easy way to transition to the game, but I'm going to try by asking you what your day was like. As an example, you moved into the starting lineup when All-Pro Joe Tooney was injured in the divisional round. Then you reportedly suffered a torn UCL in the second quarter Sunday. What exactly happened on that play, and did you know immediately what you were dealing with when it happened? Yeah, I mean, stepping in for a guy like Joe, first of all, is uh, it's a challenge. He's been one of the best guards in the league for the past you know, five years, and you know, I, I took that upon myself to step in and make sure that there was no drop-off. And in the second quarter, yeah, we were running uh, a mid-zone uh, run to the left. I was a little bit late getting to the backer, and as I got there, Bosa tackled the running back uh, pretty much through my arm as it was posted uh, on the linebacker. And, yeah, I've never, you know, I haven't suffered an injury like that until then. But you, I immediately knew. <laughs> it was something that you heard a pop, you felt it, and I just, you know, knowing minimal about anatomy, knew that something was wrong in my elbow because, you know, my elbow's not supposed to bend that way. Um, fortunately, we had the two-minute warning, and I, I had a, a couple seconds to gather myself, you know, figure out that my, my arm's still bent, and, I was able to go, so it was a tough situation, but fortunate enough that I was uh, able to still play. Nick, it's incredible that you were able to still play. I mean, you stayed in that game. Not only were you able to still play, you played all 79 snaps 
on a scale of 1 to 10, how much pain were you experiencing and how did you play all 79 snaps with a torn UCL? Uh, scale, I guess that's tough. I would say, for me, I don't think I don't think you'll ever experience a nine or ten. If you do, it's going to be something really, really, really bad. So I was probably in that six or seven right when it happened after I processed it. Um, and then at halftime, we were able to get you know get some cream on it, massage it a little bit, and then throw a great time. And I was probably playing at about a five. Uh, it was one of those things that I could confidently use the arm, knowing that. Most likely the UCL was already gone, so I wasn't going to tear it any worse. Uh, so if I could deal with the pain, I could play. Um, so it was one of those things. One of our backup offensive linemen, he was a he has a master's in uh, biology, so you know, and he wanted to go be a doctor when he was done. He told me, he goes, listen, you don't need a UCL to play offensive line. I was like, all right, I don't know what that means, but I don't need it. I'm good. So I was able to go. Uh, dude, I mean, look, you guys are wired differently. You're built differently. What a line that is. Hey, man, you don't need your UCL. Oh, okay, I'm good. I'll go. I mean, if that were a regular season game, you come out, obviously, right? I'm not sure. Uh, I've never, uh, knock on wood, I've never uh, come out of a game before like that. Once in college, I I cramped up and missed two plays against Rutgers. Um, besides that, I try my best to stay on the field. So there's a good chance I'm not coming off that field if I can play well. But the fact that it was a Super Bowl, uh, there was very little chance on my mind that as long as I wasn't hurting the team by my performance, I wasn't going to leave the field. Nick Allegretti is joining us. Obviously, we always talk about it, but availability is your best ability, and you weren't coming off that field. That's a given. Let me ask you this. There's been so much talk about the new overtime rules with some of the Niners players admitting that they didn't know the rules fully. I understand we've talked this thing into the ground, but I want to ask you this. What did you think when they won the coin toss and they elected to receive? What went through your mind when you saw that? So We had just finished our drive, so we were, one, we were pretty tired. So we're sitting on the bench getting water, um, and I, I, it appeared that they had won the toss. So I figured they were going to kick off, and then all of a sudden, you know, I saw Pat point the way that we were kicking, and I was like, did they just take the ball? And once I got that word, I was like, wow, we're going to get a shot. Cause we knew our plan going in that if we got the ball second and we had to go score a touchdown, we were going to go for two. So at that point on, I was like, man, whether they score a field goal, a touchdown, nothing, we're going to be able to, you know, put the ball in Pat's hand with a chance to go win the game. So it was a, a pretty great feeling. You know, I know they had their plan, but it, it worked well with our plan as well. I was going to say, Nick, I might have a great threshold for your stamina. You guys probably were kind of gassed, but my, my thought was you guys had to be thinking, wait a minute, the hell are they doing? They're going to give Pat the ball and we're going to get the ball second and know what we have to get. I mean, what a great win that must have been. Now, to be fair, I don't know exactly what went down, Nick, but McCole Hardman said that he blacked out for a minute after he got that game-winning touchdown. He, it didn't seem like he was fully aware that the game was over, but I don't really know. I mean, did you know that when he secured that ball, when he got that ball, you guys had won? Yeah, I knew for sure. I think it's one of those things. We went over it every week of the playoffs. Uh, as a team, it's one of those things that you need your quarterback, your Mike linebacker, uh, I would say probably your offensive, defensive line to know exactly what's going on. The skill players, they're playing as hard as they possibly can. They're on and off the field. You know, they're no, they know whether time is important or yards are important based on the time of the game. At that point, time was not a factor, so yards is what we needed. Um, so they don't necessarily need to know 
whether we're going to win the game or not on that play. But as long as the O-line and the quarterback did, uh, we were in a good spot. And Nick, let me ask you this. I mean, obviously you've got tremendous belief in yourself, and you should. But you came into the league as a seventh-round pick. When you started off and you were just grinding to make that 53-man roster in 2019, did you envision a scenario where you'd win three Super Bowl rings in your next five years? Or honestly, is it kind of a little surreal? So, yeah, I kind of got chills saying that, so I appreciate that. But, um... So as a kid, yes, I w- I'm a dreamer, and I mean, I, I, I still dream. If I was a kid, I'd throw the ball up in the backyard, pretending like I scored touchdowns, knowing so very well that I'm never, never going to be a receiver in the NFL or anything like that. Uh, but when I got drafted, man, I, all I wanted to do was make the practice squad. I wanted to make the roster, but I wanted to, a shot to say that I worked in the NFL for a year. Uh, and, and I can't. It, it is hard to fathom at times what my career is turned into thus far, um, been able to give my you know family a great start to life. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to comprehend it, but it's been an incredible experience. Good on you, dude. That is an amazing anecdote that you were just hoping to get a year in the NFL, and now you've got three rings, and who's to say where you stop? In fact, beyond rehab and recovery, have you made any plans for the offseason? And then how long before you officially get into that three-peat mindset? Yeah, so uh, obviously we'll have the, you know the elbow recovery, but uh, I had I became a father last year, uh, actually the morning of the Super Bowl Fifty Seven uh, with twin daughters. So you know, really can just take a couple weeks to just enjoy being a dad, um, be at home with the family, not have to worry about going into work, and really just get to fully immerse myself into that because it's been it's been a life changing experience. So. That, that's my main focus this offseason is get to be a dad. I, I know I'll hit free agency and worry about the elbow, and I'll have all that to take care of. But I, I'll get to eat breakfast with my daughters every day. You know, I won't have to miss a, a bedtime, bath time. So I'm pretty excited from that aspect. And after that, I, I'll start, you know, we'll figure out free agency. I'd love to stay in Kansas City um, if that's available, if that's an option. Um, but it's a business. You know, from both sides, they've got a lot to figure out. I've got a lot to figure out. Um, if I'm able to come back, I mean, you start thinking about a three-piece, something, something nobody's ever done. Uh, and that would be incredible, uh, really special to be a part of that. Nick Allegretti joining us, no doubt. You mentioned really quickly before you go the twin daughters. I'm assuming those were your first two kids. Like, whenever you have a child, it's so overwhelming the first time. But if you have two, I would think that it's got to be absolutely mind-blowing, but you have nothing to compare it to, right? You just have two. You have none, then you have two. What's that been like? You're absolutely right. That was the blessing is that we didn't know how hard one was. Right. So when we found out it was twins, yeah, there was there was a little bit of fear, but we just wanted healthy babies. And, you know, they spent a little bit of time in the NICU, and then they were able to come home, and they've been healthy and it's wild. It's absolutely, it's absolutely wild being a parent, uh, watching these, you know, now they're becoming friends and they're playing with each other. And, uh, it's, it's been an incredible experience too. Is I, I'll be honest. I'd have twins again. If we, if we could, it was, it's such a fun experience seeing them be, you know, buddies already and knowing that, they, you know, they could be lifelong friends. Uh, it's awesome. I think that's an amazing statement you just made, that if you could have twins again, you would. Nick Allegretti joining us. He's got three Super Bowl championships. He played with that shredded UCL, and what a great game. Nick, really appreciate you. What a great conversation. Great, great time with you. Thanks for coming on. Have a great weekend. Hope we can do it again soon. 
Absolutely. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Shams Sharania. Shams, great to have you on the show, man. How are you? Jim, I'm 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 absolutely honored to be on. I've been a I, I am a big fan. I've been a big fan, so appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Shams, we should have done this much sooner. It's great to have you on. I'm really glad to have the opportunity. In fact, let me ask you, how you feeling, man? Are you ready for the all-star break or is there no break for a senior insider such as yourself? There, there's never a break, but obviously now with All-Star Weekend being after the trade deadline, the trade deadline's come and gone, Super Bowl is, is out of the way, all eyes can, can just be on the, the festivities, whether it comes rising stars, Saturday night events, three-point shootout, ch- skills challenge, you have Sabrina versus Steph, you have the dunk contest, and then obviously the All-Star game on Sunday. So it, it used to be when I first started covering the league, trade deadline would be after all-star break and that's what made all-star weekend really winter meetings for the whole league because agents everyone team executives everyone would would be on kind of edge going into all-star weekend because you don't know a guy could be traded and then the league changed the rules once demarcus cousins got traded on uh the day of the all-star game so but for me uh definitely the phone never stops and and you you don't want it to stop I, i i hope i get a call while I'm on with you. That's it. Well, well, actually, I hope you don't, but maybe right <laughs> afterwards. Hey, Shams, you know, the thing about that is, like, it's changed. You talked about what it was like when you broke in. I mean, you're paid to break news. You're paid to get scoops. You're really good at that, but you also have a show on FanDuel that is a really good watch. I had one of your co-hosts, Chandler Parsons, on my pod this week. Dude, I don't need to tell you this. This cat is a legend. He did the entire pod while playing 18 at Sherwood Country Club. Not only did he do it, but he kicked ass completely. How much fun do you have running running it back and doing that show with Chandler, Michelle Beadle, and Lou Williams on FanDuel? Just honestly, one of the biggest challenges in the best of ways of my life in terms of how early the show is. We set the tone. We set the, the conversation for the day when it comes to the NBA, 9 a.m. Central Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, and, and it's just Michelle Beadle, a total pro. I didn't know her much before the show, but she's been – I couldn't think of another host for the show, how she quarterbacks it. Her, her, she's goofy at times. She's serious. She, she's able to, to find her way in terms of the talking points, the conversations. She knows the gravity of every conversation. Chandler Parsons, I covered Chandler when he was playing. I, I, I can think about it now. When he signed to Dallas in 2014, 2015-ish, I went out, traveled to go do a sit-down interview with him. So me and him, our rapport goes, goes way back. And I, 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 unlike him, I can't be doing this interview with you, Jim. While I'm on, on the greens, uh, he, he's just a one-of-one one individual. Like you said, he's a legend. Um, I think what he brings to our show when it comes to having his own opinion, an informed opinion, he played in the league for so long. He was a great player at his peak before injuries set in. So he's been an absolute – I mean, I've known him uh, for years now, and I think our chemistry and our report has only gotten better. And this year we, we added Lou Williams, who in his own right, a legend, uh, three-time sixth man of the year, uh, long-time – you know, one of the best scorers, definitely coming off the bench in league history. And what he's brought to our show is kind of like, I think him and Chandler have, have formed a great relationship, but Lou is able to just weave his way and, and guys respect him. He's got such a great clout level cachet around the league. So I just try to do my best part, but 
those three are absolute stars, and, and I'm, I'm just blessed and honored to be a part of it. Good for you, man. You get it. Shams joining us. So, Shams, let me ask you this. Like, I want to say, before I get to some of the bigger storylines at the break, but I'm going to say this is one of the bigger storylines at the break because it's not often you see an NBA player getting arrested for punching another player in the face before a game, but that's exactly what happened to Isaiah Stewart of the Pistons. The hell precipitated that, and then what's going to happen to Stewart? So November 5th in Detroit, both teams played Detroit and Phoenix. And that's in that game, there was some back and forth yapping. And, and for whatever reason, it did extend into when these teams saw each other the other night in, in Phoenix. And I was told both Isaiah Stewart and Drew Eubanks were making their way into the arena, passing security. And that's when, according to, to direct sources that I've heard that have, that have witnessed the footage that's been sent to the league at this point, Basically, they got into a back-and-forth exchange words. They ended up getting chest-to-chest with each other, and Isaiah Stewart threw a punch to the mouth-face area of, of Drew Eubanks, and it, it led to, obviously, security and everyone separating them. And, and at that point, you know, Drew Eubanks, from what I'm told, he, he, he took the punch. He, he was pretty stone-cold about it, but police had to separate them. Police had to escort Isaiah Stewart out of the arena, and at this point, it's really – on local law and league investigations that are that have started, it's ongoing. It's active. The police did arrest Isaiah Stewart that night, um, charged him, gave him a citation for assault, and they've since released him. Obviously, that same night, uh, but the league is looking into it. From what I'm told, the, the police investigation, according to their release, it, it's it's ongoing. And for Isaiah Stewart, a couple of years ago, he had the incident with LeBron James. But this is a guy that's talented player. When I do talk to people about him, I've heard he's a very nice human being. So, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation that happened before a game uh, in Detroit. Obviously, one of the bottom-dwelling teams in the league uh, this season, just another you know, issue for them this season. How wild, wild situation. Shams, you mentioned LeBron, so let me ask you about that. I'll follow that up. He made history with his 20th All-Star selection, but I'm imagining most of the talk in Indy regarding LeBron's going to be about his future. The fact that Golden State tried to deal for him at the deadline suggests that once again, he's not happy. That, well, that and his hourglass emoji that he posted on social. How unhappy do you think he is this time? And what do the Lakers do to placate him this time? I think LeBron James's whole mentality is just trying to win and, and putting the Lakers in position to win. And if it meant going out at the, all, at the trade deadline and getting a DeJounte Murray or a player like that, I think that's something he wanted, uh, you know, from, from my sense and what we've seen from LeBron James, he wants the team to be as competitive uh, and upgrade as possible. And the Lakers, they didn't make a move at the deadline. They did get Spencer Dinwiddie, though. Uh, they, they, they have not lost since Spencer Dinwiddie's been inserted in the lineup. Uh, he's coming off, I believe, 10 points, 4 assists in Utah. You can see the impact that he's going to have coming off the bench. And they didn't have to give anything up to go get him. They got him as a free agent on a $1.5 million deal for the rest of the season. So for the Lakers, for Rob Palenka, that front office, they they felt like getting Spencer Dinwiddie on the buyout market was better than any trade they could make On the, you know that, that wasn't going to deplete them of either assets moving forward. This is a team that's going to have three first-round draft picks in the summer. They're going to have uh, multiple players that will hold value come summertime. And every team is going to ask about Austin Reeves. And that's inevitable. As they go superstar hunting this summer, um, I, I do think those conversations around the picks, around team desire for a guy like Austin Reeves, his value is only getting higher and higher with every passing season.
Hmm. Shams, what about, moving along really quickly, I'm picking my spots here. Uh, congrats to Doc Rivers for doing a good enough job with the Bucks. It's hard to get to coach the Eastern Conference All-Star game, right? Or whatever that's all about. But that aside, dude, what was your reaction to them hiring him initially? And what do you make of them being 3-7 and seven after losing last night to the Grizz JV? Well, I think, and I, I wrote about in the in the aftermath in the athletic. But the, the firing of Adrian Griffin was really a long time coming. This is something that had been stemming. Um, the, the Bucks had been mulling it, considering it, thinking about it, really since the in season tournament in early December. That's around the time I reported on it. They began having, uh, you know, informal conversations with Doc Rivers to be a consultant to assist the organization to assist Adrian Griffin. And, and I think as the year went on, as December flipped to January, they really believed that this is a team that's championship or bust. And when you have Damian Lillard, when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, they're trying to win a championship this season. John Horse, you know, went out, was active, made those big trades in the summer. And they're trying to win and compete now. And they felt getting rid of Adrian Griffin, bringing in Doc Rivers was going to give them the best opportunity to win now. Again, you've gone from Mike Budenholzer then you go get Adrian Griffin. Then you go get Doc Rivers. They're paying, I'm told, around $18 million for those three coaches this season. Doc Rivers is going to be making $11 million a year after this year for the next three years. So this is their group. This is what they have. Uh, I believe they're 3-7 and seven under Doc Rivers so far. Uh, you know, I, I will say they are better defensively. Every defensive stat, for the most part, they've, they've completely turned it around. But you've got to win. You've got to produce. And I, do, I, I will give them the benefit of the doubt. But so far... They have not clicked, I think, the way that they hoped initially once they made the change. Hey, listen, I appreciate how aggressive they are. They know they've got that window. You've got a couple of guys, great, great players in their prime, and Middleton. I appreciate them going about it the way they are, but bringing Doc in, I'm not so sure about it. I wasn't then. I'm not now, and I'm not seeing anything that leads me to believe that that's going to change anytime soon. Shams, before you go, the association, it seems to me, is a hell of a lot more interesting when the Knicks matter, and it's a really a lot more interesting when Nick fan is juiced and in the street and yelling and doing what Nick fan does like this is good this is good for the league Nick fan Trey Young Trey Young looks like my dad's I I never saw my dad he still looks like I better not catch Trey and Dakeman. I better not catch Trey and Dakeman. Now, yo, give me a shot. I mean, who doesn't think the world's not better for that? So, they go into the break, Shams. They've lost four in a row. But do you think that they're built to make any kind of run in the Eastern Conference in the second half? A, a lot has to do with health, right? And, and we saw Jalen Brunson uh, tweak his ankle near the end of, of the first half of the season. We're hoping he's going to be okay. Julius Randle, what's his status look like? He's going to get reevaluated after the All-Star break. I think there's obviously a hope that he's going to be back this season, avoid surgery, time will tell. Um, but this is a group, if healthy, they can get Julius Randle back in and into the fold, they, they, they will, be, they will, have, they will have, have an opportunity to make noise. They're going to be right there. I, I don't know if this is a championship team yet. We, we have to see this team in the playoffs. Uh, obviously, they got out of the first round last year, and they've only gotten better and better with each passing year. So I don't know if that's second round or that's conference finals, but this team – clearly has potential uh, to do better than they did last year. Hey, Shams, one last thought really quickly. I appreciate the time. You mentioned the phrase championship team. When the Clippers, and they hit the all-star break at 36-17, and 17, when they brought in James Harden, personally I thought that he'd have his fat suit at the ready and that he'd be rocking it by now. I could not have been more wrong. Are they a championship team in your mind, potentially, this year? 
No question. I think the Clippers have to be one of the front runners. I mean, when you think about both conferences, you have Milwaukee, you have Boston in the East, maybe, you know, potentially Philadelphia if Joel Embiid gets back on the floor, uh, you know, late March, early April. And I think out West, you have to look at teams like Denver, the Clippers, you have to throw the Lakers in there, um, you know, Phoenix, Minnesota, OKC. Um, you know, I, I think those are really the teams that, that you have to have to look at. And, and definitely, I, w- I, would, I would certainly throw the Clippers in there. They've been arguably the best team in the league ever since um, they, they, they got James, you know, ever since the new year and they put James Harden in the starting lineup and Russell Westbrook off the bench. I've been to several Clippers games this year. The impact Russell Westbrook has the spark plug has been noticeable. And James Harden, I mean, he's, he's the exact game-managing, scoring point guard, lethal point guard that they've needed for the last several years. So this is a team of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, stay healthy. If James Harden's healthy, Russell Westbrook's healthy, they will have a chance. At winning a championship. Dude, I lied. Really quickly, you just said they're sparked by having Russell Westbrook off the bench. What about Clay Thompson coming off the bench and doing what he did last night? Do you think that will keep up? And what do they look like if they bring him off the bench in the second half? Well, if they win, I think everyone's going to be happy. I, I don't, I, I, from what I'm told, I don't, you're never going to be happy if you're Clay Thompson, you know, coming off the bench in that situation. He's a guy that started his whole career, has won championships there, all NBA, all star caliber player. Um, and now to be coming off the bench, I don't think that's something that he envisioned, but he's obviously willing to sacrifice for wins. And, and, and yeah, I mean, if he, he showed last night that he can still produce at a very, very high level, and we'll see if that translates to the second half. Covered a lot of ground. Shams, I had to, though, right? It's been a long time waiting or coming for you to come on the show. We finally got you on. I appreciate you. Great job. And the show on FanDuel is a great watch. I really appreciate it, man. Great talking to you, Shams. Thank you so much. Jim, appreciate you, man. Thank you. CJ Oxnard, CJ, what's up, dude? Salutations, Vance. Uh, we're from the same area, so your your references are usually dead on. I mean, they mean, probably mean more to me than most people in the country, just because we came up in the same area. But uh, you are killing me right now. The fam is going to Cabo in June. My brother's actually an executive chef in Montecito, and his boss... Where, dude? Owns... Dude, dude, dude. Where in Montecito? That's awesome. Are you allowed to say? Uh, I think so. I mean, maybe I'll find out later. No, he's at the Stone House up at uh, San Ysidro Ranch. Oh, dude. San Ysidro Ranch is one of the finest places in the entire world. Straight up. Yeah, he's uh, he's a boy made good, definitely. That's great. Uh, I love that. He's a stud. He is, for sure. Um, but his boss, who's also a very interesting character, also owns Las Ventanas. So, as usual, I'm going down to Cabo, and we're, you know, I and my my wife and et cetera, gravy training, a nice lunch and pool day at Las Ventanas. And I am just more than excited about CJ, it. CJ, have you been to Las Ventanas? Never. We're not corridor people, usually with the family. We uh, go to, like, all-inclusives. You know, near the harbor, not harbor, but the the Cabo proper, I guess. And we stay there. We like to go fishing and stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, so I, Cabo, I, I see you working. I know exactly what you're talking about. There's some amazing deep sea fishing in Cabo, and there are ways to do Cabo. And then there's Las Ventanas. And if you've not done that before, man, you are in for a treat, dude. You're in for a treat. Wait. Dude, I would I would find some 42 or whatever you want because that is an unbelievable place. You will love that. 
I'm so fired up, and, and before I was already fired up, but you've been talking about it. I mean, you mentioned it like four times in the last couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, now I'm pumped up. Also, I've been to Sayulita on a surf trip. I looked up where you stay in Mexico, and I got to say, you are a true family baller to choose Wisconsin uh, over, uh, over Christmas because we surfed a spot called Burroughs, which is next to where I think you stayed, unless you stayed at the other place. And it is just gorgeous down there. I mean, awesome spot. Now, lastly, apparently now I'm getting legendary. It's brought to my attention that from a clone buddy that I have now the longest bad call on Stucknut. So could not be more proud of that. I guess I've arrived. Anyway, love you, Romy. Peace and love to you and the fam. You got it, brother. Listen, you have a, a really good time there. I know you will. And I want a reaction. I haven't been to Las Ventanas in a number of years, but I did go there not long after it opened when we first went. And it, it's straight up. Like, I Welcome to the jungle. A tremendous Monday to you. What's cracking? My name is Jim Rome. I am back in Southern California. It is nice to have you with us. We start a new era. Era. era, era. era. Anything you want to talk about regarding the fact that now we have to go about six months without football. That is really sad. The morning after always is sad. Chasing Mahomes in the end zone. They're Everybody's first. saying the same thing was right. You only needed one word to nail your Super Bowl prediction. Addiction? Yes, prediction. Mahomes? Mahomes? The Kansas City Chiefs are never underdogs. The Chiefs right now are a freaking winning machine. Straight up bona fide dynasty. It's a dynasty. Greatness like this in anything is precious and rare. So hate us if you will, but you are fortunate to be witnessing us. Ross Tucker joining us. And by the way, I'm so fired up about your partnership with X. Can't wait to watch your show. Thanks, over dude. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But, um, Peter, Peter. Niner fan, look in the mirror. You're nothing. You haven't won nothing. You haven't been anything, okay? Hand out to the New York team. You want to keep sending us your wide receivers? We'll keep putting them in the Super Bowl and winning. Just that simple. Great season. Good year for Big head bets, and we'll have to do some more come basketball. All stuff. right, head, you got it. Nice job. Right. What is your best Kermit the Frog impression? I'm talking right now. That's it. That's how you handle that. It's a great impression. You know what's even better than his frog impression? His goat impression. I'd love to score a touchdown there at the end. Not get Pat another chance. Would that have been so incredible if they scored a touchdown and were running around like they won the Super Bowl because none of them knew the rule? Finally, tears streaming down. We did it. We did it. Gatorade bath for Kyle. And the Chiefs are like, what are you doing? Why are there special teams on the field? Why are they not building up the podium? Where's Jim Nance? I think I'm on Kyle's side of it slightly, but it's a tough call. She had five kids and it completely ruined my body. <laughs> I almost feel like posting up at Javier's and just waiting. I know he's going to show up here at some point. I have nobody would tip me off. I have no moles. Do it! It's a good idea. Yeah, he asked me if I ever had a chili Reno burrito before, which <laughs> I never even heard of. I said no. They were laughing like, hey, you're so stupid. They fell for the corn dog play. I couldn't believe it. You have got to strangle this guy, put your foot on his neck until his eyes roll around in his head, and then you got to do it over again. And there's nothing the 40 Winers could have done. Of course, I'm talking about Tom Pelissero. Did anybody tell Rex Ryan yet that he did not get the job? Some wild conspiracy theories that were flying around that uh, that the Taylor Swift... Aliens and UFOs are all things I can get with. Frankly, those aren't even conspiracy theories anymore. This thing, though, takes the case. JFK assassination theorists are looking down at 
you. Deshaun Foster joining us. I would do this. I would do that. Just pulling from a lot of the head coaches I've been under, Chip Kelly, Jim Mora. I played for John Fox, Mike Nolan. Ding, 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 I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't feel it. I did. I, as soon as that show ended, I turned and I threw my earbuds in the Bellagio fountain. <laughs> like Mav. What the hell Dear Waste Management Drunks. Get this is stupid. Regards the Phoenix Open Suit. Get the crap. Farley lookalike, stop it right now. Just shut up. I actually met my wife at Javier's. I ended up bringing two girls with me because I was nervous about it. It was a group date. After the dinner, I ended up getting in the car with her and going home and not going to the club with the other chicks. Rome, I've got a big beef. What is your beef? Oh, Benny boy. Nobody wants you here, idiot. My beef is I'm having a hard time listening to your show today because my ears are bleeding from Ben's song. Looking at you, Toll Road. Looking at you, 91 Express Lane. Oh my God. I mean, the IRS and the Kremlin by the sea think you guys have too much power. My beef is the customers who hang over my shoulders while I fix your vehicle and they tell me that's not how they do it on YouTube. The criminals will always find a way. Hey, how about we don't give in to the criminals? How about we don't give up on this? You know what I'm trying to ban? I'm going to put myself out there. I am vehemently against mass murder. Keep us all in your, in your prayers is what I would say for my city. Are you a 49er okay. fan? Yes, oh. I am. You. We had some guys here. We had some guys in Cabo. Shut your bum ass up, man. Yo, no in-game adjustments. We are joined by Nick Allegretti. I immediately knew. You heard a pop, you felt it. Something was wrong in my elbow because, you know, my elbow's not supposed to bend that way. Look, I'm 65, okay? Ah. Great work all week, Jim. The set looked amazing. You listen to the Jim Rome show. Go swim in your hate lagoon. In facto. Stop it right now. Back off number 30, KC James in the house. Hey, fatty, you buy chocolate every single day. So what makes today any different, you blimp? Be in the feed. Oops, sorry. Oh, fun fact. Lost Ventana. Jim, appreciate you, man. Thank you. Gotta stay on social media as much yeah, as possible. I don't know about that. We start a new era, era. Good night now! Good night now!